This is the Word Talk Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Word Talk Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide, and it comes from the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Christian Radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping Word Talk Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. By making a charitable contribution, you are helping reach people listening in our area and over the internet. You can make a donation safely and securely by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information over the phone. Or send us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax exempt ministry. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now today we start a new study and a new book, and it's the book of Ruth. If you're not sure where the book of Ruth is, it is the eighth book in the Old Testament. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. Now the book of Ruth is really a small book. It's only four chapters, but it has a huge message. And there's a lot that we are going to learn and glean from this message. And today we're going to look at what a bad decision can do and even what a good God can do with that bad decision. What I love about this book is it is a book that shows us that a loving God loves us so much that he can bring a comeback. You know, I've watched football games this football season. and There's nothing like watching a game, your team is down and out, and you think, well, I can throw the towel in, this one's over. And then they come back and they win the game. Well, what we see in this book is that it looks like they're down and out. It looks like Naomi's life is done, yet God comes back and he redeems her and he gets her back to everything that she lost. He takes her from being a bitter woman to praising him by the end. Now, this book opens with a famine going on in the land. And as severe as this famine is, this really isn't the ultimate problem, even though it helps lead them to a bad decision. This book takes place during the time of the judges. And we see that in verse 1 where it says that this was during the time of the judges. What is judges? Well, this is before that Israel had kings. God would raise up people that would help Israel through the turmoil that they were going through. Samuel, Gideon, those are the type of people that God would raise up. These were the judges. We won't spend too much time into this, but I want you to understand what you find out if you study the book of Judges is that the people had abandoned God. They had ups and downs. In the book of Judges, we see the judgment of God on the children of Israel. We see that foreign armies come in and they pillage the land. There's death. There's famine. And we see a dark, dark time for Israel. Now, if you look at the book of Ruth, it really sits inside the time of Judges. And this is probably about 1,000 to 1,200 B.C., before the time of Christ. I think the final verse in Judges, uh, chapter 21, verse 25, says, In those days there were no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, let's just unpack that for a really quick moment. There was no king in Israel. So again, they are looking for a man king. They are looking through human eyes for a king. 
But who was the king? God was their king. And he would raise up these judges to help guide them and help them. And so because there was no human king like other nations, they did what they thought was right in their own eyes. So the book of Judges is about the nation of Israel. But then we look at the book of Ruth during that same time, but it's about an individual. Some of you are listening today, you've turned on the radio and you're hearing my voice and you're wondering, does God really care about me? I know he knows about you, Tim, because you know you teach, but God loves all of us and he cares about each of us individually. And some of you are struggling today with the very thought of that. Yeah, God's all knowing. He knows what I'm going through, but does he really care? And what the book of Ruth shows us is that God cares about each and every one of us and the individual, not just the nation. God cares about nations, but he also cares about each and every one of us. The good news for you today is that God sees where you're at. God understands where you're at. God cares where you're at. And God wants to reverse. He wants to redeem those things that you've already done, but you have to make that decision. I've got a lot to cover today, so let's just jump right in. Look with me at Ruth 1. We'll start with just verse 1, then we'll, we'll go further into this. We'll cover the whole chapter in this lesson today. Ruth 1, verse 1, reading from the ESV. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So let's stop right there for a minute. So as I've said already, that this happens during the time of the judges, and we see that right at the beginning of it. And there's a famine going on in the land. But where is this land? It's in Bethlehem. Now you got to understand right now, Bethlehem is just this little village. There's nothing of importance that's come out of Bethlehem yet. As far as scriptures go, Bethlehem has no importance. We know now, 2,000 years after Jesus comes and was born there, the importance of Bethlehem. But right now, Bethlehem really has no importance. But I want to look at this for a second. If we look at that word Bethlehem in Hebrew, it means the house of bread. So now, they're in Bethlehem in Judea. And they're in the house of bread. This is the promised land. Now remember the children of Israel have gone into the promised land. So they're in the promised land. They're having a famine because they've fallen away from God. But they're in the house of bread. They're in the promised land. One of the things we're going to see throughout this book of Ruth is the foreshadowing of what this story means. Think about this. The house of bread is Bethlehem. Who comes out of Bethlehem? Jesus does, and he was the bread of life. Look at the foreshadowing that's there in this book. But let's continue on. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. The name of the man was Imelech, and the name of the wife, Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Malon and Kilion, and they were Ephratites from Bethlehem and Judah. And they went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Imelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malion and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons or her husband. We'll stop right there. So what we see, here is this man that is in the promised land, the house of bread, and he leaves, and he goes to Moab. He makes the decision to go to this pagan country. 
if you know about Moab and the Moabites, that was born out of incestuous relationship of Lot and his daughter. We have to ask ourselves, why would somebody do this? Why would somebody make this decision? Well, again, I think we go back to the end of the book of Judges, and it says that the people did what was right in their own eyes. So are they looking for guidance from the Lord? No, they are looking through man's eyes, and they're making decisions through man's mind and not God's mind. And so what we see is that a decision is made to leave the promised land, to leave the provision of God, to leave the protection of God, and go to a pagan land, and there we find out that this man and his two sons die. Now, we don't know why they die. We don't know they died in battle. We don't know if they you know, had a heart attack. All we know is that they left the protection of God, the provision of God. They move about 40 miles. So out of Mississippi, out of Meridian, Mississippi, if you were to go 40 miles roughly to Forest, Mississippi, and walk that, and that's a, that's a pretty long walk, but that's about the distance that they went. What, it, what we should learn from this is it doesn't take long to get out of the provision of God. We were in the promised land. We made the decision out of our own mind, not checking with God, doing what was right in our eye, and we go out of God's will and we walk into a pagan land and we go and we marry into the pagan customs. This man from Bethlehem leaves the protection and the promised land. He takes his family. He makes a bad decision because he doesn't look to God. He looks to himself. Hey, I got a problem. There's a famine in the land. I'm going to leave. He moves to a pagan country, and then he marries his two sons to pagan women. Why would you do that? Let me just say there's some practicality out of these verses right here. How many of you that are listening to me today have made the decision to move to a foreign land, to move out of the provision of God? Because in your eyes, you see something better. In your eyes, you see a problem. You see a storm horizon. Instead of going to the Father first and saying, hey, I'm in the promised land. I'm following after you. You decide to go to a different land where there's not a famine doesn't matter that it's not good for your family. It's not a matter of whether it's good or bad. You don't go to God first. He's your last resort, not your first resort. Just like Imelech, people make a decision. They don't listen to God. They don't listen to his promises. They don't seek him. And because God's way doesn't seem right, they're not willing to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me out of this? God, where are you trying to take me? God, why is there a famine in my life? No, they don't ask that. They just take what they see as the human way, maybe as human counsel, and they run after it. When we make those kind of decisions, what it tells God is that we really don't understand you. We really don't trust you. We think that you aren't enough. We've got to add to what you are going to do in our life. Right now, I feel like there's somebody listening to me that they're making a decision. They're saying, I've got to make this decision. I've got to move from the protection and the place of the promised land that God has given me because ain't nobody else going to take care of me. They're looking at their situation in their own eyes. And what I'm telling you today is that God is there. You are in the promised land. It may be a famine, but you are in the house of bread. Be careful. Don't move. Even though it's just a slight step out of God's provision, and all of a sudden now you bring all other kind of problems into your life. If you do that, you're going to make a bad decision. 
I mean, maybe you're the one that's sitting there and says, I don't want to live my life alone. I'm tired of being single. I know they're not a Christian, but they're a good person. And I'll get them to come to church with me. I'll get them to read the Bible with me and study with me. And I will bring them to the Lord. No, you won't. Why do you think that will happen? You're willing to settle for something that the Lord has not given you. Right now, you're in your promised land. Maybe you're a business person, and right now, you're on that fence where you're saying, you know, I want that next job, and so, you know, I've got to go out. I've got to mingle. I've got to make the things a little more profitable. I've got to take and cheat a little bit, but it's not a lot. I'll fudge a little on the expense report. I'll go out and I'll have those drinks with the boss. Because if I don't do that, if I don't compromise, I will never get that next job. I'll be passed over. I, if I compromise just a little bit, I don't, I'm still going to go to church every Sunday. I'll try to come on Wednesday nights. What I'm telling you is don't step out. He only went 40 miles and he sold out. He compromised because he didn't look to God and he did the decision out of his own will, out of his own mind. Elimelech doesn't like the famine, so he compromises and he makes the move. Someone is listening today and you're about to make a move. And I don't know who you are. I'm just telling you, it may not be a physical move, but it is a move out of the promised land just like Elimelech did. Go to God first. Pray, seek his promises before you make that decision. All right, let's look at what Naomi does. Look at verses 6 through 13 with me. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I... Yet a son in my womb, that they may become your husband? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, I have hope, even if I should have a husband this right, and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Let's stop right there and unpack that. So after this bad decision, she's lost her husband and her two sons that were married to Moabites. Now she hears about food back in Judah, in Bethlehem. And so she says, you know what? I'm going to go back to the promised land. I'm going to go back to Judah. If you look at that word Judah, it means praise. Now you'll see in just a minute, when we get to verse 13, she's very bitter towards God. But we're going to see by the end of this book that she is praising God. So she is going to go back to the land of praise, to Judah. I just find that interesting. Now we see in here about the custom that was going on in that day. Now if you were married and you had a brother and one of the brothers died and the widow had not had a son yet, 
the other brother would marry or another son would marry that widow and he would produce an offspring so that it could carry on the name of that brother that died. But here we see Naomi say, look, I don't have any more sons. I'm not even bearing children. I'm too old to have children. I won't even be able to find a husband to have a child. Would you wait even if I could so that he would grow up that he could marry you and carry on this custom? She says, no, this isn't going to work out. So don't hang out with me. Go back to your people and get on with your life. Now look at the end of verse 13 with me where she says, No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Look who Naomi is blaming. She's blaming God, but it isn't God. It is Imelech. He's the one that made the decision. He's the one that walked out of the hedge of protection. He's the one that walked out of the promised land. And this is just like a lot of people I know. When things go wrong, when we start feeling the wrath, when we start feeling the consequences from getting out of the hand of protection of God, we immediately blame God for it. But who made the decision to move? Who made the decision to leave the promised land and leave walking with God just 40 miles down the road? We meet people all the time that are angry at God because they say, if he's a loving God, why would he let me make that decision? Why would he bring that person in my life so that I wouldn't make that decision? Did God bring that person in your life? Or could it have been the devil brought that person in that life? That was a temptation that we yielded to. Again, there's some ownership of a problem and consequences of that sin. Again, I have a friend that went out of wedlock. He had premarital sex. He wound up having a child. Now there's been all kinds of problems in that family over this child. And he gets so frustrated at God. But did God allow that child to be born? Yes. Did God allow that person in his life? Yes. But who made the decision to go out of the hedge of protection, out of the spiritual realm, out of the laws of spirituality that the Bible gives us and created that consequence? He did. Now, God can take that and he can use it. And, and I've seen that in his life. But we have to own the problem. We have to own the decision. In a minute, we'll see that that's exactly what Naomi does. What we need to understand is that God gave us free will. God gave us the ability to make a choice. And we see here in this story in chapter 1 that it was a bad choice to move to a pagan country. And in our life, there are going to be times when we are going to make bad choices. Unfortunately, we do that. We're not good at making good choices. We go after what pleases us and we don't think about God's promises and if we don't go to him first if we don't study his Bible if we don't study his word then we do what's right in our own eyes and we make a bad choice but the good news today is that God is a God of second chances he can take that bad situation like I said earlier and he can turn it around and he can make something good out of it. And that's what we see right here in the book of Ruth in chapter 4, that God takes what was a bad decision and he turns it around. God takes where someone was trying to run from a problem. They were running, but they couldn't hide. Now he's going to take that because he made a decision to come back and he blesses it. Let's go ahead and pick back up in verse 14. Then they lifted their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. 
And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So Naomi is angry. She feels like that God has created this problem. But look, she makes the decision to go back to the promised land. She says that God is blessing his people back in the promised land. So I'm going to go back there. Now you stay here because I can't take care of you. And we see that Ruth says, no, wherever you go, I go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. She makes a commitment to follow after her mother-in-law. The beauty of what Ruth is saying is that she is forsaking the Moabite gods, the ones that she grew up with, and she is remembering the God of Israel. She is learning to trust in the God of Israel, and she sees that her mother-in-law is headed back to that, so she's willing to give all that up and chase after the promised land. And that's the good news that we have today. When we make the decision to go to the promised land, doesn't matter why we got away, but when we turn from what we dragged us down to that slippery slope, when we turn back to God, God can start the healing process. And that's what we see in the rest of this book is that God starts a healing process. Let's continue verses 19 through 21. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And we'll stop right there. So now these two women are walking back. i got to imagine after Ruth has said all this, she's probably asking more and more because... Again, Naomi knows God. She's grown up. She was part of the children of Israel. But Ruth wasn't. She was a Moabite. So she's probably asking a lot about this God of Israel. Naomi has an opportunity to tell her stuff. But she's bitter. We still see that because look what she says. When the, people, when the women see, it's a small village, remember I told you. So everybody knew everybody. And as she comes back, they say, is this Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Again, if you look in the Hebrew, Naomi means pleasant. This was a pleasant person. But she says, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me nice. Call me Mar, which means bitter. So Naomi is being honest. She's being forthright. And you know what? When we need to be healed, when we turn back to God, we have to be honest. Now, she may have the raw perspective of God. She may not see God as the loving God that he really is. She sees him as someone that penalized them for making the decision they made, but she is honest. And when we come before God honest, guess what happens? He takes us back and he heals us. And we see that's what happens by the end of this book. She goes from being a bitter person to praising God. Today you may be bitter. Today you may be someone that can't see God's ultimate plan. And Naomi couldn't see the ultimate plan. 
But guess what? She came back honest before God. And when you will come before him, and when you will put your trust in him, I can tell you he'll turn that situation around. If you put yourself in the place where God can bless you, just like we learned through this book of Ruth, you'll see that God will bless you. That may not be immediate. It may be over time. And we see that's what happens through this book. When they get back over time, the blessing after blessing comes and she is redeemed. What I can tell you today is that God loves you. And for whatever reason, whatever circumstance that you have that's gone on in your life, God has a plan for you. And God has a bigger plan that you can't see. And if you will just put your trust in him, if you will come back to the house of bread, if you will come back to the bread of life, he's out there with his hands wide open saying, I can make this good. I can make this right. But we have to make the decision to come back to him. Look what verse 22 with me and how this chapter wraps up. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And when they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I want you to catch this. The beginning of the barley harvest. If we go back to verse 1, we see there was a famine in the land. And this famine in the land is going on because people did what was right in their own eyes. And what I can tell you today is if you do what you want to do in your own eyes and not under God's protection, under God's will, not following in his footsteps, you're going to have a famine in your land. You're going to get out of the protection of God. But if you will turn and you come back to him, he will start a barley harvest just like he did in this land. Let me close with this final thought because I'm out of time. After hearing about Ruth and Naomi, you may say, Tim, I hear you that I can come back to that land of blessing. I can come back to the bread of life. I can come back to the house of bread. But you don't know the decisions I've made. You don't know the circumstances I'm in. You don't know what I've done. And I don't. I would not sit here and tell you that I do. But I do know that God wants you to come honestly, just like Naomi did. Naomi came and she spoke her bitterness back towards God. She was honest about how she felt, but she turned back to God. And that's what God is asking you to do today. You may be in a land of famine. You may be about to make a decision to go after that land because of a famine in your life. You're about to move out of the protection of God because you're going through a trial or temptation. And what I'm here to tell you today, somebody needs to hear this, that God is there. He's asking you to reach out to him. Turn to him. He is your source of bread. He is the bread of life. He's asking you, will you do it? Will you come back to me? Maybe you've stepped out. Maybe you made that decision. Maybe you've already moved. God is knocking on your heart today and he's saying, come back. Turn towards me. I'm here. I have my hands out. Reach for you. I want to make this better, but you have to come to me. Let us pray. Dearly Father, I feel strongly on my heart there's someone listening that needed to hear this message. I've put off studying Ruth for a while, but it was strongly on me, Lord. And I know there's somebody that is going to hear this today that needed to hear it. Lord, there's one that is about to make a decision to go after a faraway land, to go after a pagan culture, to make a decision to step out of your protection. Maybe there's one that's already done that. Lord, I pray right now that either one of them would turn to you and say, Lord, speak to me. Help me. Let me stay in your protection. I don't want to get away from you. 
Lord, maybe there's one today listening that doesn't know you. They don't understand this at all. But Lord, they want to know you. They've seen those people that walk in your protection in your head. Even when the trials, they don't understand how they can, they can have that joy and that peace. Lord, I pray right now for that person that doesn't know you, Lord, that they would believe that you came, that you love them no matter what they've done. They're not too far gone. Don't listen to the, to the devil and the lies that he has, that they are loved by you. And all they have to do is turn to you and say, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm going to turn my life to you. I give my life to you. I ask you to come be Lord of my life. I believe you went to the cross. I believe you died for my sins. And Lord, I believe that and I'm going to walk in that. Lord, that they would understand who they are. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your many blessings. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.